everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Celebrate You, the podcast on personal development, money, and entrepreneurship. And health is important. Eating is super important. So today I have a gift from Mexico to the world, uh, and we've got chef Daniel Bravo. Uh, he is a Mexican chef. He's traveled the world. And he's got a very interesting profile because he's worked for years in the Greenpeace uh, ships as such, like feeding the whole uh, population in the, in the ship. And what he specializes on and he's going to talk to us about today is healthy and sustainable eating, which is super relevant to all of us. So, Daniel, welcome to the show. Thank you, Moni. Thank you. And uh, thanks for the opportunity. And... Uh... And yeah, for allowing me to uh, to share what I've uh, yeah what I've uh, my my whole experience and uh, yeah and to be able to yeah to speak and, and to come to everybody that is uh, listening and uh, hopefully I can provide uh, I don't know uh, let's say a nutritious. <laughs> Uh, podcast for everyone <laughs> that's a beautiful word a nutritious podcast <laughs> I'll, right. use that. I'll, use, I'll use that in the social media <laughs> yeah, okay okay so let's start with can you tell us a little bit about you and how you ended up doing the work that you do yeah definitely uh well i'm a i'm a professional chef yeah uh i've been a chef for for quite a long time i went to cooking school and uh, uh I work for different things. Uh, I cook for the Mexican president. Oh, once. wow. Uh, nice. Yeah, the former yeah. <laughs> Mexican president. Uh, and uh, yeah, like I've, I've been doing some uh, great jobs, uh, some really fancy jobs. And uh, yes, as soon as I uh, left the school, let's say as, as soon as I finished, I was really into, into uh, like the professional cooking and the restaurant uh industry and uh and yeah uh as i said i had some pretty cool jobs but uh but you know what there was there was always uh like there was some always some something missing right about uh about this about my profession at that time and uh and the reality is that uh yeah that it was yeah it was great great uh, like the job itself was great uh, for a 22 21 year old boy yeah <laughs> it was uh, yeah i was I, I was having great job and it was just so amazing but i felt uh, a bit of an emptiness on myself if i might mm -hmm. say and uh, yeah and the truth is that uh, i felt that i needed to do something else besides my uh, my work and beside my passion which was the food right and it still is yeah and um yeah fortunately i had some uh, some great opportunities uh in front of my my life uh and i just went for them uh one of them was i took a job in playa del carmen in a very nice uh, french restaurant but having this job over there uh kind of allowed me to interact and to be more present with nature mm, of course uh, because Piaggio de Carmen it's just like 
beautiful surrounded yeah, by absolutely yeah. absolutely and back at the time it was uh, it was not so uh, developed uh it was more let's say more wild in a way yeah. uh, so just imagine right uh on my breaks i was going and doing snorkeling right for hours and then i just got a shower get dressed and i go back to to we're living to the life <laughs> yeah no it was it was super right um but uh to be honest there was a couple of things a couple of times when i was there and in some of my uh, yeah uh the breaks that i have that i i saw the beauty of nature yeah um i mean it's it's so clear, so evident when nature show it shows its true beauty, especially in the Mexican Caribbean. Yeah. But I also saw what we were doing to it, right? And uh, at one time, I was just in the middle of of, uh, of the of one of the beach and and uh, really early in the morning, and I just saw these beautiful coral reefs and uh, the the sunrise and so on, and then a lot of garbage on it. You know, and it's it's a yeah, it's just a right Sad. now garbage in the beach and garbage in the ocean is so we're so used to it, right? And uh, and that's just not right. That's just not right. And uh, to be honest, this really uh, shocked me a little bit. And uh, I was already doing some some uh, let's say activist work in Mexico. I was part of a of a party of a political party. Mm-hmm. And I was the like the youth, uh, how do you call it? The secretary of environment. Oh, oh wow. Oh, wow. But, uh, oh, so you have, a, youth... you have another side too. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, for the youth part of the, of the party, right? In the, in my, in the alcaldia, in the municipal, well, municipality. it's not municipal. Yeah, municipality. Yeah, sort of. Um, and uh, I mean, it was super exciting. We did a lot of really cool stuff, but then it was all, going to let's get boats right like let's it was all extremely political it's thought to be in like let's really do something but it's, yeah. let's do something so that we get more boats or we get more people yeah right? rather than so, let's do something to properly help exactly exactly right. and uh and yeah and uh so i was already doing stuff like that and uh so that that kind of shaked me a little bit, right? That uh, what I saw in Playa del Carmen and what I saw in other, uh, in Masunt as well. And uh, and I was seeing on my, you can see it right behind me, there's a uh, lot of trees and, uh, and this is where I grew up. I, I was born at home and, uh, and I've uh, grown fortunately in a family with my father and my mom especially my father we were growing trees in the land of the house and there is many trees right now that uh yeah that me and my father we just plant them from seed and they oh, are wow huge. yeah oh wow that is so cool. yeah i've never met someone with that story that it's like yeah we planted like that and i planted the trees in the let's say outside the house that's right. Yeah. Years later, here it goes. It's a huge tree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's a uh, it's really amazing, and it's a uh, it's it's crazy that you have been growing here, and I've watched them grow. And uh, yeah. together with me, they've grown with me. They've grown with my own life, right? Oh, cool. And another crazy thing you, is that, for example, can I interrupt? Did you yes, see one yes. of your friends? I got a what? 
do you see the trees as your friends or are they is it is it like a close relationship i see my plants in the house like oh i've got a new friend <laughs> yeah well uh, i'm not sorry if, if uh, i see them as friends uh, <laughs> I, would, I would invite them for a beer <laughs> but uh, but it's a unique but, question let's say <laughs> <laughs> yeah but in a way uh yeah it's a uh, for me, nature and uh, the trees and uh, the plants in general, especially the, the, the trees. Sorry, that's Lucas, it's a bit of a loud chihuahua. Um, they, uh, they, uh, the, it's just an amazing, I saw them as something, uh, way bigger than myself. Right, I see, them, I see them as something that is, uh, it's, it's amazing. We cannot really explain how they interact, how- Connection. The connection there is between each single tree that they really, in the roots, they pass nutrients from one to the other. And it's just a, nature is so indescribable, right? And I think in many aspects, trees are the, like the wise old man that talks about nature. Right. Oh wow! Yeah, that is it's... beautiful. <laughs> so another funny fact. Just listen to this. I know it's it's kind of like a funny funny story in my life. Uh, I don't want to drag all of the conversation. Uh, that, this, that's but... fine. <laughs> that's the most interesting bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I, I think it's an it's an interesting thing, and I, and you'll know why. Um, so I was born at home. I was the the fifth of five uh, children. Right, big family. And my mom decided to have me here. They planned it very well and so on. Uh, well, at, at least they, I think they did, or maybe it was just like, oh, let's just have it here. What, I mean, is the, the fifth one, who cares? We know. No, no I think they, they truly planned it. Uh, then, yeah, I was born here and uh, you know what my father did? He put my placenta on the lawn Right, and he put a an apple tree on top. Of it. Oh wow, that's yeah. amazing. That's crazy, right? And the apple tree is right there, right now. Oh, he, well, he or she yeah. is yeah, part right. of your life. Like you are connected. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 crazy. That right? is unique. That is super cool. <laughs> that is extremely super cool. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's very cool. It's a little bit uh, spooky as well. It's a bit right? spooky. <laughs> yes, it's a bit different. Uh, I couldn't call it spooky. It's a bit different. That's unique. That is yeah, so no, I totally, I totally think it's it's unique, and especially like the connection and the the way I was open to all of the world of nature and all of the all of the uh, all of the trees and uh, how important it is. The connection that we can have with them right like as important as literally some part of me is right now growing in the apple tree right? <laughs> which is well, crazy but... that explains a lot yeah. I mean, why you feel so much connection with nature and yeah. the work that you do because like since you were a kid you knew that part of you is 
physically connected to earth <laughs> and yeah, yeah, the tree yeah. that basically took the nutrients and then blossomed so it's like makes a lot of sense that you have the career that you have yeah that's that's totally right that's totally right uh, that's absolutely yeah. amazing so in a way uh since very young I, I felt this connection for me it was natural it was not something that you actually unfortunately nowadays we need to uh, work to get this connection back to ourselves but fortunately for me uh, it was always there so I didn't uh, it was something that was never broken for me right and uh, and to be honest when I start to yeah when I, as soon as I start getting older and realize uh, the impact that we have as human beings in the planet I felt uh, kind of like a depth with nature it's not really a debt, but it's like a, you cannot just keep on going with your life knowing that something so valuable, something so precious, unique, and uh, something that is part of you is so badly threatened, right? And, uh, and that's, okay, long, sto long story short, that's pretty no, much why... You said something very important because you said it's like you cannot let something that is part of you to be threatened. Yeah. And I think that's a beautiful mindset because we don't think of nature as something that's part of us. Most of the times we're like, oh, we need to do something for nature, the planet. We live in the planet, but we are not saying nature is part of us. And when Definitely. something is part of you, it's like you talk about it like if it was your family. It's like you even like touched your heart when you said like it's part of me. Of mm. course, you do something when you feel that part of you or your family is threatened. So yeah. it's a very powerful way of living. <laughs> <I'm thinking. laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, and, and again, it, it was, uh, I mean, in some aspect, it was like, okay, like you cannot ignore this, right? Like it's yeah. impossible to ignore this. And uh, and of course I could have carried on, carried on with uh, a little bit that, uh, that professional side of me and taking these cool jobs and so on. And, and maybe taking my, my chess career into more of the uh, success and, and uh, money oriented part of the, yeah. of the profession. Which is okay too. Uh, sorry? Which is okay too. <laughs> Which is totally fine. It's yeah? absolutely okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's nothing wrong. It's just, uh, it's just, I had this call. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's, I, I think something really important and, and uh, maybe something that I, I love to tell to younger, uh, younger uh, humans, especially, yeah, like teenagers and so on, is that, yeah, uh, there is going to be, and I think it happens to each one of us at some point in our life, we get uh, a call yes. from our hearts, from God, or from whatever you believe in. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we get sort of this call, and it's, it's trying to tell us uh, that maybe a different path it's ahead of us and maybe that path is going to be is going to give us more uh happiness 
and it might free us a little bit more it might uh, give more to other people and by doing that it might give us more so uh, when this call happens i think it's really important not to ignore it right mm -hmm. and just to try to okay yeah, it's also there so let's try to Experience. maybe exactly or let's make a, a marriage of tastes right like if you would, or maybe wine and, and food try to mix them and try to integrate that into your own life right yeah and so, I think when you find yeah. what that thing is it's a blessing and I think you found it Absolutely. I think I found it. it took me years but it's not you know about what the thing is since yeah. you're young but maybe you don't listen to it it's until, right. it's until you're like in your mid late 30s that you're like oh maybe i should <laughs> no definitely definitely and i think it's a it's a blessing to hear it again right like uh yeah i think we can always hear it when we were young and maybe for several reasons we are so worried about getting the good grades and oh let's be a lawyer instead of being a painter or house painter too <laughs> but i mean an artist or, or whatever or uh you know uh so there is a lot of things in our minds and in our uh yeah let's say our track right like we've been uh educated in this way and and fortunately for me uh taking a decision of fighting for for planets or for fighting for something that is part of me was very easy because I have also amazing uh, roots on me from my family, from my father, from my mom. And, uh, and yeah, and uh, so having said that, it was quite easy for me to make a Swift. Uh, I actually rejected uh, a very cool job. Uh, like I was going to be the private chef of the owners of Blockbuster Company. Do you remember Blockbuster? Oh, wow. Yes, of course I do. Yeah. <laughs> like we're about Probably to see, right? <laughs> <laughs> like that's maybe the worst business nowadays. But anyway, Blockbuster used to be cool and used to be yeah. quite, quite a big deal. And uh, yeah, so, so just when I, when I came back from that uh, trip in Playa del Carmen, uh, I really wanted to do something more. So I finished my uh, chef's career and, uh, and I went into the jungle in Mexico. I oh, wow. went as a, as a volunteer in a national park in, in Calakmul, which is in Campeche. And uh, yeah, I went there as a, as a park guard, right? Mm -hmm. And I was a volunteer. I wasn't being paid. <laughs> and I was sleeping in the middle of the jungle in this little house that is, yeah, it's quite uh, quite raw in the middle of nowhere. We had two hours of electricity because of the solar panels, but then, and the electricity was only two light bulbs. And uh, the showers were like 20 meters away. We need to go there at night to have a shower. Oh my God. And then we walk. Huh? The bathrooms? Was it one of those? Yeah. School jungle hole on the earth. Yeah. Totally. Like what exactly. we were in. Exactly. Yeah. It was yeah. exactly. In as a field trip. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> How long did you live there? 
I was there for up to six months. Oh, that's a long time. It was a long time, yeah. Yeah, I really needed this. I really needed this. Uh, I had an urge of doing something and of being close to the yeah to nature and uh, to feel that I can give. Uh, yeah, no, it was it was crazy. It was a great experience. Uh, one time I had to remove a boa. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, from my from one of the of the guard parks uh, hammocks, right? So the boa was there. <laughs> And yeah, like, to be honest, Mexicans, we all are afraid of snakes, right? Or any type, right? <laughs> I think the world's population, not just Mexicans, everyone is afraid of snakes. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, my, my colleagues, they were really afraid and they just wanted, no, oh, take him out, take him out. So I, I took her out <laughs> with it. It was, it was beautiful. And it's such a beautiful, precious animal. It's amazing. And she was just so gentle. You, how did you do that? Like, did you properly touch the animal? Somehow you oh, yeah. you managed to convince her to leave the hammock and go back into uh, the jungle. Yeah, not quite like that. I wish, but yeah. no, I was also very afraid. So I just grabbed a broom. Okay. <laughs> yes, I was and, making it very romantic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. oh. yeah, I, I wish I would. I should try to make something up more, more romantic and more, but no. So I, I just grabbed the broom and with the broom, uh she kind of like grabbed the broom with her uh, upper body and i just grabbed the tail right? <gasps> so it was like that oh yeah you probably and, touched it yeah 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 it's, it's such a be beautiful skin it's so small so beautiful and one thing about some of the boas is that they when they change skin and when they're not so big yeah so i'm talking about one and a half meters or yeah like pretty big uh the skin might be a little bit pink. It's so beautiful, so amazingly beautiful. And yeah, so I just put it there and just went quickly back to the, but yeah, I mean, we were taking showers uh, on this uh, shower little house and uh, there were really big scorpions and they were not poisonous. There were huge tarantulas and you were always scared about the poisonous snakes, of course. And so, yeah, that was a, that was a, how did that experience change your change you and your connection uh, with nature? That uh, that experience well uh, at that time that was the most amazing experience I had in my life. It uh, it just shaped my world. Uh, all the people I met, the every time there was a biologist, I was no i'm going with him i'm going with him. and we were i was going with him to do research and some of the those trips were really wild um, i slept in the middle of the jungle uh with him two nights and you can hear the sounds of the jungle yeah like really close to you and like yeah like something is being killed out there yeah mm -hmm. like yes I because of hope. course in mexico just to put context it's not like for people listening in the UK, and we know the beautiful forest in the UK, it's a beautiful forest. So when right. we say the Mexican jungle in that in the southern part of Mexico, it's you need to imagine like jaguars yes. <laughs> type of jungle. <laughs> so it's like properly exactly. something is being killed in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally, no, definitely, and it's uh, yeah, cougars, uh, jaguars, and uh, and of course you are 
afraid of the most most uh, dangerous snake on America, which is the Anauyaka. That's how they call it over there. Uh, the viper. Uh, it has different names. It it ranges from the south of the U.S. to uh, okay. yeah to obviously the Amazon as well. It's amazingly aggressive. It's really aggressive, and it has a very uh, uh, yeah like the the bite is yeah it's super fast. It's super. It's like the you know like the perfect snake. It's so amazingly dangerous, right? You see like this uh, in Animal Planet. Yeah, they rate. <laughs> the most so definitely yeah that's i think that's rated number one in in the Amer american continents right and, and that little snake was running around where you used to live in the jungles i've fortunately i never saw one of them okay but uh yeah there was uh obviously uh rattlesnakes yeah. rattlesnakes they are not as uh, as aggressive like you might walk by and it's okay as long as you don't Accordingly, according to my colleagues there, they said that the Naoyaka, and of course it had many crazy names, um, that if, if she hears you, she's gonna go after you. She's gonna bite you. And because it's the cause of many deaths in, the, in that region, because usually they, they wait on the bottom of the, of the chicle tree, of the, yeah, which is the, I mean, the workers, they go there and grab the chicle, the actual gum. The, gum. Yeah, the gum yeah. tree. Yeah. The gum tree, exactly. Oh, and wow. when they come back, they come down, it just gets them. So it's, Attack. yeah, that was, that was the biggest fear of, of all of us there, obviously. And wow. also, yeah, the poison as well. It's, I mean, you can, you have to act very quickly. And if you're in the middle of the jungle, like, I was with the, this biologist and uh, there was no chance of making it if we were bitten by the snake. No. Look at that. Yeah, tranquilo. Uh, yeah. So that, yeah, it was, it was really crazy. One thing, one funny thing, when we were coming back to the, to the, yeah, to the, uh, how do you call it? There is a little uh, house, yeah, where, where yeah. the, Guard parks sleep. It was maybe two or three at a time. So we were going to the center of the national park of the jungle, like completely untouched and amazing, in a four by four in a tiny little road. Uh, yeah, uh, we had to. I had to come down and pull the four by four because there was a lot of water. It's just crazy trip. On our way back, it was quite night and dark, uh, just for. So you guys can get an idea of how, how what like it was a crazy experience. <laughs> Honest, uh, we're going in the in the four by four, and then out of the southern, a bath, a bath. You know what? Bath. Yeah, okay. a bath. Yeah, like a it's their fruit baths. They're really they're harmless, but they are big. One of them just crashed <gasps> into my face. Oh my god! <laughs> like literally crashed into my face, and for. Something that I, in my opinion, was like two or three minutes, but it was actually a couple of seconds. Seconds. We, we yes. fight each other. Oh my god! <laughs> and I, I removed him from my face, right? So, yeah, just imagine feeling the a little bit of the hairy and uh, the skin of the bath with maybe a bit of sweat. <laughs> Ew! Does it feel slimy? No, it's like a. 
So for example, just imagine, imagine a, a dog without a lot of hair, like a chihuahua maybe. Yeah. And imagine the belly a little bit. Ah, it's not a nice feeling. <laughs> it's not a nice feeling. No, 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 no. And the skin is a bit harder. So yeah, but it was it was fun, and everybody we talk about it, and it was just a, a lot of laughs. But uh, but yeah, that uh, that definitely changed my life, and it was the most amazing experience I had. Um, yeah, you've been wanna... you've been in nature with nature, living side to side with nature, the good and the scary too. You've had a interaction with snakes. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. in your face like no one can say that <laughs> yeah totally. So I, I can I can see why you're so passionate about what you do yeah you know one of the just let me tell you this one one of the nights that I was I was in the in this place I, I like to sleep outside at, at times which was maybe not the best idea but anyway so I put my hammock and uh there was a couple of times there were complete there was no moon and the, the stars were so bright, so beautiful. And in one of those nights, there were a lot of, uh, how do you call it, the light, uh, bug, uh, light box or? Yeah. Right, like light box, right? So it was, at some point, it was like the stars were flying around me and I could see the Fire sky. Flying. Sorry? Fireflies are the light bulbs. Fireflies, yes, fireflies, that's right, yeah. And so that's, that was so beautiful, so indescriptible. It was absolutely amazing. And, uh, and many other things that I, I was able to see and the people that I met as well. And uh, that, was, that, was, that really changed my life. And uh, I was about to give up my chef's career to become a, yeah, a, maybe a biologist, not really a biologist, but... Yeah, I wanted to go to Australia. And what made you reconcile both your chef career, that's one of your passions, and then nature and Greenpeace and sustainable eating? That's right, yeah. Uh, what made me do that is uh, I came back to Mexico City, right? Uh, I had a proper hot shower, first of all. Of course. <laughs> With uh, yeah, with constant uh, water, constant water flow, and a decent toilet. Oh, <laughs> anyway. <of course. laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry about that, but yeah, it's. Um, anyway, I just came here and uh, and I just decided that I I couldn't carry on with my life without doing something right. So um, I. I, I was looking for options. I looked for WWF, uh, many other NGOs in Mexico. That was at the, at the time in Mexico, the, the movement was not as strong as maybe it is today. Mm -hmm. There were not so many options, but I found Greenpeace in a in an advertisement in Periferico, driving my car, <laughs> and uh, and I went there as a volunteer, and I I signed up as a volunteer, and I just carried on and get involved more and more and more and I get involved with the campaigns, the forest campaign, the GMO campaign uh, with yep. maize in Mexico and uh, and the rest of the campaigns. And I I was an, a very active, a very active activist. <laughs> right. Um, and uh, yeah, and on the 
during all of that time, I was still being a chef. I was working in, uh, yeah, in as a, I was working as a bartender many times. Yeah, I was also doing caterings and uh, yeah, like working in a catering business. But I didn't want to get too involved. I wanted to keep my my freedom and especially my activism, right? Yeah. And um, so, like, this door opened for me. And it happened at some point that uh, one of the ships was coming to Mexico, the Arctic Sunrise, and they needed a cook assistant in the ship. So it happens that I was a chef already. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I was trained as a chef and, uh, and yeah, I was yeah. a very passionate volunteer yeah. and I was doing all the time I was there very active and I just, I joined, definitely. I said, absolutely, I'm going there. And yeah, I was there for uh, for uh, for a month as a cook assistant. Then uh, I had to stay in Mexico, then the ship left. Then they called me again as a deckhand, as a volunteer in the Amazon in, in Brazil. And uh, then they asked me if I can take over from the cook that was on that time. It was an Argentinian that was a little bit, uh, yeah, he was not feeling very well. Uh, so he went home and I took over for the transit as a, as a cook. And that was it. From that time on, they keep on calling me as a cook and that's how- How many years did you do in Greenpeace ships? On Greenpeace ships, uh, well, uh, I started in Greenpeace as a volunteer in 2003. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a long time, right? Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's been about 17 years, not always. Uh, I have not always been constant on my rotations as a cook. Uh, I've, uh, maybe at some, to, at some point I was sailing only one time and doing more things in Mexico. But yeah, it's been about 17 years of, uh, of a cook and uh, a little bit more as a, as a volunteer and, and cook assistant. And yeah, I... Oh, that, that's like a whole episode on, on its own, like 17 years working, because like I'm sure it's like everything that you saw during those trips and the ship and the adventures were exactly good and bad, like both. They must have been fascinating. Yeah, it was definitely fascinating. Definitely fascinating. It was, uh, yeah, it was absolutely uh, breathtaking. Yes, right? that's the word. Uh, yeah, and it's uh, as exactly what you said, that you can see the bad and you can see the beauty. And I think that's a little bit life, right? But. Uh, but being an, an, an activist and uh, and being able to see the most beautiful things on nature, I was in in Patagonia. In my first trip, I was in the in the beautiful uh, glaciers. But then we saw this uh, the mark that uh, where the glacier was supposed to be, oh. and where the glacier was at that time, right? And it's it's just heartbreaking, right? So you see all of this beauty, you see also this amazing uh, marine life, uh, a lot of, uh, uh, yeah, uh, 
little yeah dolphins and and whatnot and whales and but at the same time you know that and you are absolutely conscious about all of the things that we are doing to destroy that yes and that's right. where what you said at the beginning makes so much sense you have to protect what's part of you you have to do yeah. something about it yeah absolutely absolutely so what and can we do like you and i as day-to-day -day humans well uh to be honest uh i mean a, a lot has happened on 17 years mm. <laughs> obviously um working for maybe the most important uh, organization on the planet the biggest one and the one with most of the the biggest amount of uh, resources as well I've, uh, I've been to the North Pole, I've been to the Amazon and uh, many other places. And to be honest, it's uh, what we can do in our daily day lives, that's about it. That's the perfect solution. That's the perfect thing that we can, we can, I mean, it's in our hands. It's in nobody else's hands. It's not in the government's hands for sure. Is not in the big corporations like Shell, like Nestle, like these guys that they truly want money above all. Like they definitely don't feel like they're part of the planet. They don't feel connected to the planet and they don't feel this connection, no. <laughs> maybe in their maybe in their villas, right? In in some fancy place, but uh, but yeah, uh, that's this is what I've been trying to what I've been telling to all of the people that come has come to the ship and has really approached to us and so on and the open boats and so on and whatnot. You know, the biggest and most impactful activity that we have as human beings for the planet and for the ones living on the planets, obviously including humans, is eating, is food. Yeah. Food contributes, I mean, we can we can measure it. And actually, if we measure it in a very deep, very detailed way, uh, it would be, well, like maybe 42% of the CO2 emissions would come from food production in all of its forms. So it's just, it's crazily, well, actually, uh, right now, the United Nations and many other organisms are talking about uh, getting close to almost the one third of the CO2 emissions. Well, the CO2 and the, the and methane and other gases yeah. uh, that are coming from the whole food, food industry. production industry. Yeah. Wow. And this is official, official entities, right, on the planet. Uh, One third we, is a lot. It's a lot. It's definitely a lot. And it's way more than the transportation. Transportation is about the, I think, the 14% or up to 42 up to 18 and that's kind of going coming down slowly with uh, some of the uh yeah the technology that we are implementing there uh the other biggest the biggest one is actually still householding uh well uh actually cooling and temperating the space that we live yeah either that's the yeah if that's our office the or, the or the ac Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, but uh, if we if we measure everything, if we account uh, 
all of the all of the impacts that industrialized food production has on the planet, then it would very easily go further. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you know that was the biggest cause for uh, embar- uh, biodiversity loss on the planet. Uh, well, mainly uh, forest and jungle loss is up to seventy percent, and that's industrialized agriculture and. Uh, cattle uh, farming yes. that's the biggest cause right, right now in the amazon and that's actually up to 80 percent is the biggest cause in mexico in all of the countries of latin america in papua new guinea i was there a couple of years ago uh, uh, the industrialized palm production yes just ripping up Prime. the forest yeah in Malaysia, there's like palm, a lot of palm as well. Yeah, and, and, and it's a... it is, of course, I haven't had that much connection to nature as you as in living in the jungle. But like the here in Malaysia, there is like beautiful nature. And then when I went to Kuching, that it's like an island here. And then it's like you see the orangutans. And then it's like, they look at you and see them like jumping. And I was like, oh, and they were like, she's pregnant. And I'm like, wow, look at that. She's pregnant and he's hanging and da, da, da. And then you look at the little video of the little orangutan that lost her home because of palm oil. You go like, yeah. oh, I know that little orangutan. <laughs> like, yeah, it is sad. It is, it's heartbreaking. It's just amazingly sad, right? Uh, to be honest, so, something that we face, uh, well, let's say the activist, the environmental activist, with all of the what is happening in the world, is that we could lose, we could be in despair very easily, and that happens to everyone, right? Like, how breaking is that scene? How breaking it is to out of sudden just see the whole city being on smoke, I right? yeah, or. Uh, or all of the plastic in the ocean, we might, we go there and so on. So there is these times, there is these times that actually shake us and like, it's like a, a slap on the face. And uh, for some of us, my, that has been brutal at times, right? Like it, it has been like, wow, like this is, where's the hope? What can we do now, right? Like it's, and that's the argument of a lot of people. And unfortunately, a lot of people that I know that are keeping hardcore activists. But, uh, but nevertheless, well, you need to, you need, it's not that I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm not necessarily hopeful, but I, I try to be, I am, um, encouraging myself to be and that's one of the most difficult things to do right but we we need to and uh i have a have a beautiful 15 year old daughter and uh and with all of the children that i keep seeing and the connection that they have when they would just let them be in nature and that's our hope and that's what we we have to do we have to really make an effort of being hopeful of and of putting a peaceful and loving fight. <laughs> beautiful. So, yeah, uh, that's, uh, yeah, that's, sorry, we got a little of a, 
I'm a bit jumpy sometimes, sorry with my that's okay. Conversation. <laughs> uh, but I mean, that's uh, uh, what we were talking before about uh, how we can be shaken, right? And, uh, and especially what can we do after seeing all of these things and after starting to be aware. Uh, again, and going back to the to the food, right? And okay. that's obviously my thing. And I've been buying food in in the Amazon, in the in Manaus, uh, I've been getting food from villagers in a river in Papua New Guinea, and uh, I've been purchasing food in in different markets all over the globe, and always trying to get the local production, the local uh, local produce, yeah, local products, yeah. And it's a uh, for me, it's just as simple as that, and as it's just buying local produce instead of. It's the just imported a, from Australia by the, right. yeah. the Malaysian one from the market or the English one from the market, like wherever you're based, like the one from the market rather than the imported one. Exactly. But let me tell you something, because there is a, my wife, she's from Hong Kong, right? And about what, like 90%, 92% of Hong Kong, Hong Kong food comes from abroad, right? Also Japan yeah. import a lot. And yeah. So I would say not necessarily, Definitely, if you have the option of buying, uh, of getting, of getting uh, local products, you will be helping the the local economy. You will be helping. Uh, let me tell you this fact, right? Uh, you know that sixty five percent of the poorest people on the planet they are uh, small farmers, small scale farmers, and also farmers without land. Those are the poorest people. And those are the ones that are most affected by by climate change. Of course. And they are also the ones that had to, they're more, the most vulnerable to wars and to terrorist groups and all these things. And they often had to migrate. So, right? So if we if we try to help this uh, the people that is actually producing and making an effort and they are actually the ones cooling the planet down small scale small scale farming small scale food production is the key to health future and uh, how in what way can we help that to happen right of course i understand uh yeah like uh if i live in i'm as you mentioned before, I'm going back and forth from to France, and uh, they don't produce coffee there, right? So yeah, uh, I really would like to have a cup of coffee. So, uh, but I would definitely choose not to buy uh, a Nestlé brand. Brand, yeah. Right. Uh, I would definitely go to the ones that are having a, an organic and agroecological production. Yeah. And especially that is a free trade, uh, well, sorry, not a free trade, a fair trade uh, system of, of commercialization. And this is already happening. There is already many sources, many ways for us to, uh, to purchase these items, right? Again, I would say, uh, yeah, it's quite hard sometimes not to get the, yeah, as I said, the coffee, right? If you live in Norway uh, or, so on. there is a couple of things that maybe are maybe you shouldn't buy them, right? Like in the in a city in the 
in the Norwegian Arctic, in the one of the toppest cities of the planet, uh, they, they sell bananas. <laughs> right, so yeah, I'm definitely not going to buy bananas in the Arctic, right? But I understand that maybe for some people it is a need and they have this mindset, but there is other nutrients that you can substitute, right? Yeah. And definitely mom, something- That, that yeah? reminds me, like my mom used to say, and, and we see this in the US, we see this in the UK culture as well. You have to eat with the seasons. For example, in Mexico, it's mango season in March around that time. It's not mango season in December. So in December, you do not buy mangoes because that means that they came from somewhere else. You eat that's with right, the seasons. Yeah. Same with the apples. That's why October, it's like October pie. Uh, October, uh, apple pies everywhere in the US. Uh, so yeah, 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 that's like a good advice. Locally. Like eat what's locally produced. Yeah. The seasons. Yeah, exactly. Eat with the seasons. Uh, definitely we have a, a very modern way of eating and we have been accustomed to a specific type of... Uh, of food, right? Uh, it's hard sometimes to remove this from our culture of eating, but again, what you said, if uh, we can go to the markets, let's go to the local markets, let's talk to the local producers. They know, <laughs> and they, they know a lot about nutrients. They know, they know a lot about uh, medicinal properties of, of food yes. because food heals us. Yes. Yeah, um, I really would like to tell you guys a lot of things. Uh, like of what I've seen in, in Papua New Guinea, I get the opportunity to fly in a helicopter and I saw the I saw the beautiful forest. Yeah, in Papua is one of the most pristine ones in the planet, right? Uh, but then at a sudden, it just changed dramatically and it's all palm oil plantations. Oh. And of course, palm is the it's a very good product, right? Because it has it, it, you can it produces a lot of oil and you can use it for so many things. Yeah. But it's it's again the way you are producing it, the way you are exploit uh, exploiting a, a resource. There is a there is some uh, sustainable fa uh, palm production in Colombia, mm -hmm. and also in 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 uh, I think in, in Ghana they're studying. And in some African countries, I think Malaysia could do that with all of the resources, and, and yeah. so it could be organic, it could be agroecological, right? And uh, again, what I, what I was saying about the uh, the biodiversity loss is that, yeah, uh, mainly, you know that seven, about seventy percent of the grains that we produce, or the food that we produce, well, especially grains in the world they're going to feed the animals that we eat. Okay, not the population. Population. And yes. yeah, and of course this is, uh, it's, it's part of a chain of, of consumption. It's part of a chain of production that is truly destroying the planet. Uh, definitely, yeah, if we cut in our uh, animal products consumption, definitely we're gonna help the planet, but that's not the only thing. There could be, and that's that's something you asked me about uh, talking about veganism. Yeah, definitely. That's we need to be more vegan. We need to consume more products directly from like plant-based products, for many reasons, for our health, for the planet, for uh, 
yeah, you name it, right? To have enough food for everyone. But uh, there is, everything depends on how it is produced. I was in a farm in Argentina in the, in the north, in, the, in Misiones, in the jungle, a beautiful place. And this guy, he, he was really crazy about how the, the manure uh, helps the, the soil and helps the whole environment of the place. The manure coming from the cows that he sells to the local uh, butchery. Yeah. And the local butchery that is going to feed the whole town. And the whole town doesn't know that they are eating a really beautiful meat that is 100% organic, agroecological. And this production is actually not only uh, not producing CO2, but it's actually helping okay. to reduce the CO2. And that's something really, really important. Yes, yeah. because it's not about not eating meat. It's about the process as well. Yeah. What's it's behind definitely... that little cow. Yeah. But uh, I mean, the thing is that, of course, there is no enough uh, of that very good quality meat, like the one that he produces for to feed our, uh, our local, our nowadays uh, meat consumption. There is not. First of all, we need to cut the meat drastically, drastically yeah. for so many reasons, right? Um, and then uh, we need to source source it right. I was uh, I've, I've been doing documentaries of farmers and uh, indigenous communities every time that I sign up for Greenpeace. Uh, I can I can give you my, my YouTube page. <laughs> Yes. Uh, it would be great if you guys put a like and yeah. Uh, we are actually starting wanting to, uh, how you say, uh, to launch our first proper documentary. Uh, anyway, I was, in, I was in Norway talking to this amazing farmer. He's uh, like 78 year old, beautiful, very strong, very tall, uh, very joyful uh, Norwegian man. And he told me something that I, I think it makes perfect sense is every time that we go to buy food, it's like making casting a boat, right? So to whom are you going to vote? You're going to vote for the ones that are having this precious big tomato and there is maybe a coming from a corporation and is using a lot of pesticides and, and chemicals, but it's so pretty. Or you're gonna buy the maybe a little bit uglier one that is coming from a local farmer that is putting uh, natural resources on it. So it's all about choices. Choice. Yeah, and it's just as it's just as simple as that. Uh, the key is on every single meal of every single day. That's how we can save the planet. And it's it's something that I've been. It's so clear for me because yeah. i've been there i've been buying in, in supermarkets in all the places of the world and i've been also going to the markets and and knowing the their products and so on and it's just as simple as that and it also could heal people we could heal diseases right let me tell you something um you know in chile is the biggest producer of salmon in the world right mm -hmm. Like most likely, if you guys go to the supermarket and take a look, perhaps the 90% of the salmon there will be from Chile. Okay, 
So let me tell you that that Chilean salmon is being produced with uh, the highest amount of antibiotics and of oh. hormone levels that, that it's even worse than chicken factories and so on. It's really oh, wow. Terrible. Yeah, it's a uh, 400, they put 400 times more antibiotics. In salmon than, rather than in chicken. And I'm thinking here that I'm eating healthier because chicken has a lot of uh, oh, uh, antibiotics. No, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe the chicken in Malaysia, it might be not too bad, but definitely like industrialized chicken has a lot of hormones. So also be careful with our children, especially with the, yes. with the girls, yeah. because it could have really affect our hormone, could affect their hormone production. Uh, anyway, the salmon, a part of that, it creates a, a huge pollution on, on, the, on the Patagonia waters. Is not as healthy as it is, but another product that is coming from Patagonian waters, from Chilean waters, that is maybe one twentieth of the price of the salmon. Trout. Algae. Algae. Interesting. Yeah, with And it's you guys in Malaysia. You have access to very good quality algae, good, very good quality seaweed. I went with a with a woman they call it in, in chile they call them orilleras because they go in the in this uh, around in the edge of the of the water they also get in in really cold waters and they just harvest the seaweed and it's literally just uh, like cutting grass yeah so they're just cutting grass and they just let let them dry in the sun and uh, that type of seaweed which is like about 90 I think it's 99% of all of the macroalgae, which is the big seaweed, is eatable. Wow. And it has, it has the best, uh, if you uh, analyze it, is the most nutritional, the, 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 yeah, the most nutritional food that we can have as human beings. Oh, wow. It, yeah. Like and it has, said, this is a very nutritious podcast. <laughs> right, that's right, yeah. And it's, uh, it's just amazing because it also uh, it reduces cholesterol levels. Uh, it has a lot of uh, omega-3 fatty acids, plus omega-6, and uh, and great minerals and so on. It, it reduces the cholesterol levels. It reduces the risk of uh, heart diseases and uh, heart attacks amazing. and so on. It also balances the body uh, uh, glucose uh, uh, peaks, right? Okay. For if you are diabetic, seaweed is an amazing food and another thing is that it's the only thing that they do to the planet is that they filter the water and they also swallow co2 they fed from co2 oh wow so we are we are eating we're harvesting uh the source that is cooling our planet that is a beautiful way to kind of like wrap up everything it's been so interesting and it's like well a you have an absolutely fascinating story uh but when it comes to practical things that we can do it's like of course eat less meat buy local if you want yeah. to eat meat like go from the local farmer yeah and then yeah. eat more seaweed that's a new one i've never heard that <laughs> Yeah, and uh, yeah, there is so, so many other, uh, in, when I was in Papua, 
it was amazing. I went with a group of women. They started to, they recovered, uh, uh, yeah, a, a plantation of oil, of palm oil that it was being dropped. It was the first one in the whole island. And uh, they recovered it and they started to farm in there. And it was amazing as well to work with, with them. Uh, I was going way behind because of cultural protocols and how they, uh, they eat so many plants coming from the forest, so many plants. And some of these plants are so rich, so good in, in uh, they're like 10 times better than spinach. And uh, it has a lot of omega-3 and so on. In Mexico, we have porcelain that is a miraculous plant, and it also has a lot of omega three. Mm. And uh, and yeah, so there is sources. There is nature heals. Nature provides to us, and uh, and we can heal the planet. We can, and we must, and we should, with the most important tool that we have nowadays. With the, which is the power of our choices. Power of choice, yes. Yeah. As how, uh, Finn said, to whom are you going to give your votes, right? Yeah. To future or to the same old type of destruction. That is absolutely amazing. Thank you so much, Daniel. Where can we oh, find you okay. and your amazing recipes? Because we've been following. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I, I am also doing online uh, classes. Uh, I have a, yeah, I'm up in, on Instagram and Facebook as Chef uh, Daniel Bravo Garibi or Chef DB Garibi. The keyword is the second last name, which is not very common. So I, use I, will add, I will add it to the notes. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm, uh, and in the, I started an NGO with my wife. Uh, it's going a little bit slow because of uh, the pandemic and I'm struggling a little bit with uh, funds and so on. But I believe in it. It's about is to encourage and to uh, promote sustainable food, sustainable eating and consumption and helping small scale farmers. And uh, the documentaries and the small films that I've been making, you can watch them as well on YouTube. The channel is called uh, Feeding Freedom. Feeding Freedom. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, Kellogg's is launching a campaign <laughs> that is called Feeding Freedom too, but I'm, I'm going to sue them. <laughs> but anyway, okay. the channel is, is, is mine. And it's, well, it's from me and my partner, my, uh, the, yeah, the filmmaker. And it's, uh, it's good. So hopefully, yeah. And uh, to anyone, if you, have any doubt about uh, a specific type of food and uh, you want to learn more about something uh, yeah please give me uh, send me a text I'll be very very happy to to help you out if I can and uh, and yeah I hope uh, hope you guys can also uh, yeah I don't know uh, like my difference yeah like my pages or whatever and uh, in YouTube hopefully you can see some of the work that we've been doing. Yeah, which I'm sure it's super amazing. Yeah. Awesome. So cool. Well, it's been a pleasure having you in the show. Extremely informative and inspiring. And it's like eye-opener to even how change our mindsets and how we connect with nature, because nature is part of us. I think that's what I what I take out of this. It's like 
nature is part of us. Therefore, you need to look after, we look after what's part of us. Absolutely. That's yeah, like it's, beautiful. It's, that's right. Absolutely oh, amazing. Uh, lovely meeting you, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the episode. It's been fascinating speaking with Daniel and speak to you next week. Have a lovely week and start changing your eating habits. <laughs> Ciao. Absolutely. Okay.